Uh, where'd you grow up and how did you start playing soccer? Uh, I grew up in Santa Cruz Mountains in Boulder Creek. Um, and I started playing because my dad was involved. He ran college track and I think he just wanted us to be busy. So played on the local team and then just got involved from there. Nice. Um, do you have any early, like, favorite early soccer memories? Uh, I just remember my parents, like, later telling me that I wasn't so into it at the very beginning. It was almost like first year, ah, I don't want to do this anymore. And then after that, it was like, no, you're going to go back out and give it another try. Um, so I think similar in a parent myself, making sure that I also kept that balance of, hey, I want you to do it. But uh, at the same time, you know, letting them enjoy it. And I think that's eventually what obviously happened. Mm. Do you like remember like any of your like first teams or like the first goal you scored or? I remember uh, I played my very first team was off like one of the roads called Highway 9 and I played for the Village Toothpicks. That was the name of the team. We wore <laughs> white with like a blue little border and it was one of those reversible jerseys. Okay. Mesh, yeah, I remember it pretty well. And it was co-ed. There were, there were boys and girls on the team. So this is like mid-80s? Yes. Nice. Actually, it would have been not even mid-80s. It would have been like 70, probably 79, right, right before the 80s. Oh, wow. That's groundbreaking stuff, man. Yeah. All right. Um, so why, uh, why did you get into coaching? Um, I got into coaching, I think, just through the natural migration of being a player and being somebody who was pretty intense. And then um, coaching really started to develop for me after my second year of community college. My, my former high school coach asked me if I'd come out and kind of lend a hand. And that's where I started to kind of develop an interest in it. And then when I was at San Francisco State, I had just finished playing. I kind of pursued the idea of teaching, and it just seemed like a, a natural fit to be able to teach and coach. And at that time, I was also offered to be an assistant at SF State. Um, so I was an assistant for a year while I was just kind of taking, I guess, a gap year between my undergraduate to going and getting my teaching credential. So like looking back on it now, do you think there's any reason that like you're you were asked to come back to your former high school? Like, do you think there was anything about you that like maybe they noticed or? I think I think just because I was so driven and, and at that school, um, we had had some history in in soccer, but nothing I think like when myself and I'm the oldest of four. My brother Chris, who's a freshman. We played, we kind of had some unprecedented runs that the schools never had again. And I think maybe one of the first groups that really came in with a passion for soccer, not just playing soccer because it was there. Um, and I always, I look at my former high school coach as, as a mentor. He was really somebody, he didn't give you a lot in terms of like a lot of emotion, but you could tell that he cared and he would we'd check in, make sure I was doing okay. I'll never forget the day I was done playing high school soccer, how he checked in and he said, you're going to be okay. Um, <laughs> it meant something because it, it was just such a passion of mine and he knew how much I, I looked forward to playing, especially at the high school. I think it was, it added a different element than club. Yeah. I think like, um, as we get older, especially like recognizing like, and like coaching a lot, um, you recognize how those people like saw you maybe and like how they tried to be there for you like as an individual oh yeah you know oh, yeah. that's interesting um so like did you uh i know you played in like the stone age but do you have any like <laughs> do you have any like video highlights of yourself or like any like fun pictures or anything um i have i have some pictures when i was playing men's league here in the city mm -hmm. they don't you know there's some there's some pictures that my parents have um i have some old college like teen pictures and then I think my mom my mom definitely has some pictures of me playing when I was younger but you know trying to find some old video really kind of bummed because I, I looked for it and when my dad moved I thought I had some but I haven't been able to come across some I got a I got a text message from a guy that I now I guess coach against who sent me some video from the men's league nice um, 
giving him a nice slide tackle, which was fun. <laughs> I didn't even remember, but he, he called it a foul. Um, and he coaches from our NFC, and I said, absolutely not. I've got a great video of uh, Gabby, like, doing, like, this great, like, Zidane, like, turn out of pressure and, like, going down the line. And then Cammy coming through and absolutely wrecking her. Um, I'll have to give that to you for your next. Oh, please. But yeah, we do all the Zoom stuff now. And like, you know, kids are sending you videos. And like, uh, I think they just have more video than they even know what to do with. Right. And like the stuff that we have is so few and far between. But yeah, cool. If we like, if we do this and it comes off well, we can like, you know, clip in like a, a sh like a picture, a cool picture or whatever. Just like, yeah that would be I, I definitely it motivates me to look for this stuff because it, you're right I mean there's so much memory and then there's other coaches who do have video and it's like oh man I, I really wish I did to also evaluate myself kind yeah, of see, yeah. you know as, as a coach like okay here's how I remember it it didn't really right. come off that way right 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 I have so much of the video I have is from um is just from my high school team like I mean, I played a ton of clubs, ton of stuff. My parents always came to watch, but like, you know, they never carried video cameras, but we had two dudes that would do like a video package for us every height at the end of every high school season. So like they had those huge ones that they carry on the shoulder, right? It's like, but we go back and like, those are so cool. You know, like the, the current um, men's coach at uh, San Diego State was our goalkeeper. Um, there's, you know, there's a couple guys in there that went on to play pro or whatever and like, you know, you see, you go back and look at that stuff, and it's just hilarious. I wish I had, so like, I totally wish I had more of it. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, thinking back that way with club, it would have been cool to watch because I played for, like, one of the first teams to ever, like, truly be kind of what SFEA is, where you brought, tried to bring all the talent together under one umbrella. Mm -hmm. At that time, it was actually Santa Cruz Breakers, their first team with Zach Hibson and a bunch of guys who went off to play pro and made awesome. it pretty big. And it would have been cool to, to just kind of see, measure yeah, yourself, yeah. see how those, those games went. Right. It's so cool. Um, all right. Um, so so we got like six questions. And I'm like, I think they kind of like all tie into each other. Um, just like um, if I have any like tangential questions, I'll ask you. Okay. Um, and then we can do that bonus round just for fun. I don't know if you prepped okay. anything for that. Um, all right. So first question like what is what does thriving look like what is like a kid who's thriving or a team who's thriving like what is that like how do you visualize that how do you explain that? for me I think I think it's it's when you really start to see passion I mean I always think one of the biggest things with anybody I coach is when I see them out in community are they wearing their gear are they kind of doing stuff on their own because they embrace it that much that nobody really is, is pushing them to do what they need to do. And for me, coaching older groups, it's, it's kind of the reliance on the players to get motivated. Very little should come from me and, and true to me that that's, that's what I envision it to be. Um, I'm a pretty self-driven person, so I didn't need a whole bunch of people to push me out to get going. And I think I trust my players quite a bit. I kind of set the, the ground rules and then, Tell them, and, and I can see it clearly through how they develop into a person in terms of, I think sometimes their schooling background, but also in how well they do in the classroom and, you know, what they're doing on the field and how they just thriving is like embracing and, and truly just having a passion for what you're doing and taking opportunities to, to grow and absorb and still be humble. Do you, I feel like, um, you could probably come up with a good anecdote of like a kid from like city right now or from SF Elite who like over the past like you know year or a couple of years you've watched like change like and grow into like a thriving player does anybody like come to mind um yeah there i mean i think the classic is is Hannah McCord for me just in terms of club itself she always was driven um but i think she took the opportunity to do something that, that I like is that she had been with the club for so long and kind of had one angle. And I think it's her sister who sat her down and just said, Hey, if you really want to grow into the player you say you want to be, you need to make a change. Mm -hmm. um, I think that meant a change just um, not only in, in finding a new club and coming to us, but um, taking on kind of every opportunity as, as a place to grow. 
So she kind of puts herself out there. And then a, a former player of ours, I think, um, who, who didn't really have that kind of set up pathway and struggled through some injuries. And I think um, it's overcome quite a bit is, is Gabriella Rodell, who I think in a different way too, especially having a sister who's playing at the D1 level and then coming to city and just seeing her kind of reemerge to the person that she once was, but I think just being a little bit more measured in the way she goes about things and a little bit more on the side of like, Hey, this is an opportunity for me to get back out there and kind of become who I thought I was going to become years ago. Yeah. 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 I thought about this question kind of a lot, like, um, and tried to like pare it down to like a simple idea for myself and like, that kind of is it like um a player who's like being their best self right like yeah. everybody has their own limitations you hate to admit it right to <laughs> players like yeah you do have limitations right but like are you like truly being your best self you know yeah. and i could see like hannah is like the kid that i always i've told you this before that i always point out to my like 09s 08s i'm like hey here's a kid like you want to know what playing hard you don't want to know like what it takes to be good like this kid's not bigger than anyone, not faster than anyone. Like there's nothing special about her except like how much she wants it and how hard she works for it. You know, how much she cares, like how much I've seen her train on her own and like, you know, and like Gabby just like overcoming like all those setbacks. Like it's just so cool to see her like, I mean, in certain games, especially this year, like to see her happy. Yeah, exactly. You know, like enjoying her, like enjoying her football or whatever. Yeah. Um, so how do you think um, children learn? Um, I, I, think, I think they learn in, in different ways. So I, I think it depends on the kid. I think some of it's upbringing. Um, but I think they learn in an environment where they're, they're challenged. Um, but at the same time, they feel accepted and valued. Um, I think it's a huge thing. I know that it's been a transition for me kind of moving amongst different ages, moving to older ages, move, working with both genders. Um, but I think everybody wants to feel valued. And, and I think certain players, you really got to get to know them. Um, and I think learning just comes, comes in different ways. But ultimately, it's, it's finding that way to push them, challenge them, um, to be a little, little bit uncomfortable at times, but at the same time, be very clear with, letting them know that, you know, here's why we're doing it. Here's, here's that, you know, I care. I, I'm, I'm looking at the big picture and what we're going through right now. Yeah. Like creating that safe space and then like really challenging them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think, uh, why do you think it's important for like children or players to lead the way? Um, I think it's huge because to me, you know, you look at what we talked about before, kind of two passionate people. I think when they embrace it, it becomes um, a little bit more a part of themselves. Mm -hmm. If you're, if they're always kind of seeking somebody to tell them, I, I don't think they're going to develop in the same way that somebody who kind of takes on that idea of, you know what, I, there's other people who are going to influence me, but I got to be independent. I got to be the one that's kind of learning lessons on my own and the self-motivator because those are truly what I see, you know, and the other component, you know, working with students and who, who wants it is to see that kind of transition in those who really want it. They're going to, they're going to find a path to get it done. I feel like um, coaching at elite in particular, even if you don't have the best, kid or the best player or whatever they at least we promote the idea that this is like more than an activity so like they have the mindset that like it makes it more fun to coach a kid who like you're not you don't have to find the motivation for them all the time you don't have to like drag them along in anything like when they're leading the way it's just like it just feels like more fun to work with. even if a kid's not great like <laughs> rather with a kid who wants to do it you know yeah um so what do you think it means to embrace the struggle? Um, embrace the struggle, I think, means that, that you know that there's going to be setbacks and you're, you're willing to overcome them. I think with anybody, if, it's, if the path is always laid out for you and you never have to work at it, I just don't think it's realistic because there's, there's going to be setbacks. There's going to be setbacks in every way. And I think soccer is a great example of it. You could, you could be the best player on your um, – 
high school team, but you know, you got to break the starting lineup in your club or when you're coming from a club and you're, you're one of the best players and now you have the that idea of college or even like talking with Cami Bowden the other day, you know, super bright, super motivated, went to one of the best high schools out there, but she admitted like when she got to college, just, you know, as a, as a bio major, her first bio class was just really difficult and you have to, you're humbled at times and you got to get out of that grit and kind of understanding that, all right, here it is. And here's just another lesson I'm going to learn from. Yeah. Do you think that like, um, do you think that like, putting struggle into everything um, is important, like in practices or like individualizing it, like. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think everybody needs it. I mean, you gotta have that challenge. And I think that's what we are doing as a club. It's really good. The fact that we have multiple teams in an age group that we're asking kids to train with older teams, that we have a U23 team, that we have a connection to a WPSL team. I think there's an avenue for everybody. And I think um, it's important. It's important to understand that like, yeah, you know, I'm good. And I, I, you know, might be one of the best players now, but there's so many other players that are pushing and pushing and pushing and the coaches, there's so many good coaches in our club. And I think we're all kind of in it together and motivating one another. And I think that's important. Yeah. I feel like on my younger teams, especially like um, it's so easy, like in a club that doesn't have that, um to like to be the best player and to just kind of like coast right but like no matter how good a player is on any of my teams there's somewhere i can send them there's something i can do with them there's some like there's some struggle i can set up for them that like is going to make them realize like oh i've got a little ways to go oh yeah (laughs) yeah Like I get a kid who's just like, you know, this is too easy for him. I'm like, you know what? Why don't you go to the other half and go practice with the uh, kids two years older than you? Oh, yeah. oh, you got your butt kicked? Oh, I'm sorry. Is that? <laughs> yeah, and I, th- I think for the older kids, it's, it's good too because it, it kind of shows, I think there's a little bit of mentorship that goes on, but there's also this kind of like, you know, this is, this is my place and you're going to really have to do a lot to kind of overtake me. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I see that more and more and more as time goes on in the club. Um, so like, how, how do you, like, as a coach, how do you try to lead your team from the sideline during games? And you coach, you've coached all different levels. Do you think that like, you know, all right, is it the same when you're coaching the U12 boys team versus the U19 girls team? Or like, what, what's your, what's your process? Like, how do you figure out what, what you're going to do? I, I think it takes some variation. I'd say that, you know, one of the things that I've gotten so much better at is just being calm on the sideline and making points when I think they need to be done. But there are some teams that I think just the dynamic of the team, they might not have kind of leaders on the field and it requires you to be a little bit more vocal and kind of that motivator. And and maybe, maybe it's more so you're, you're kind of provoking a certain player or certain players to kind of, Hey, are you seeing this? Um, You know, using some of the, the questioning that, that kind of drives them to be a little bit more cerebral and kind of think through things and make decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with older groups, I think it, it's more of like a tactical awareness type thing. And, so, and that's to a certain degree with the younger kids too, but sometimes the younger kid just needs to be, be challenged in a way like, hey, you know, are you giving your best? And if you're not, you know, how do you step it up? And, and I think a lot of that too can come at halftime or even – you know, subs, depending on, on when you, when and how you can sub, depending on the rules you're playing under, forces you to coach a little bit differently, I think, too. Mm-hmm. I remember going to, like, this is years ago, I think I was, like, running programs at the JCC, and you guys did a meeting through Vikings, and you were, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know what the context was of the, like, part of the talk, but you were talking about, like, how uh, joystick coaches just, like, are the worst. Yeah. I mean, I can see that. I saw that, I think, more so in high school than anywhere else. Because in high school, I think you get the greatest amount of people coming from different backgrounds. And I saw that um, on the boys' side when I was at Sacred Heart Cathedral. Is that I could kind of see, after a while, a pattern, where ki- what clubs kids were coming from. And the joystick coach, coach kids were oftentimes pretty good technically, but just they're, they're game management, their game understanding, their tactical awareness, it wasn't there. I think they were looking for somebody 
to give them the answers all the time and it was difficult for them to uh to deal with that dude it's so man i see that that's like exactly what i see in high school teams when i tell a kid when i ask a kid to do something or ask them what they think they're like i don't know what do you think like tell me what i'm supposed to do and i'm like well you know (laughs) it's not basketball you can't call a timeout every like 30 seconds and like explain to you um so like in that sense like you know as a parent and like thinking about how you coach your team from the sidelines and like how you coach your teams in training like what do you think like what do you think parents should be what do you think parents like what type of questions do you think they should be asking the club or like want to know about their coach um i i think a lot of that you know to be honest um we're doing a better job of it, I think, just in terms of coaches itself and I think the expectations that are set. Um, I don't know too many parents. I mean, it's a little different perspective, but if I do that comparison of working with younger players to working with older players, I think that the older older parents, it's more of like, hey, game time type stuff. Well, how come so-and-so is not getting game time? Um, With the younger group, I think it's more like, they just, they're asking questions. They're doing a little comparison because they want to know how to best support their son or daughter. Um, and I think we do a good job of, of saying it outright and telling them, you know, like here's kind of the expectations through email, through, I mean, I think through this time, especially through parent meetings, um, kind of through a club foundation um, in terms of expectations. Um, so you know, like a parent, my, as a parent myself, I, I think more of just learning how to be supportive and yet challenging. And I think just kind of embracing what the coach is saying. And at the same time, if they, if they see something that's not working or their son or daughter comes home and says something that just doesn't seem right, I think that's a perfect time for a parent to kind of reach out and say, you know, just maybe, the, maybe there's complete misunderstanding or miscommunication. And I think that that's an issue. How do you... Um... How do you like, have you engaged with um, your, you know, with Liam and Sophia's coaches the past like couple of years? I, I'm pretty much like, I, I think I, I give the, the coach kind of, I think if I weren't happy as a parent, then I wouldn't have my, either of my kids playing for that coach, but I'm, I'm very much somebody who's going to trust the coach. I think if there's, there's been maybe a handful of times at most where I've reached out and kind of questioned something, I'm more like, okay, how are we going to make use of this? Rather than, you know, like, hey, I don't see my, my son getting involved. Because I think it goes back to what we talked about before. I think they got to embrace the struggle. And they got to understand, yeah, they're in it too. Great, you know, I don't think a nine-year-old is going to go up to their coach and ask those type of questions. But you get a lot from them and just the conversations mm-hmm. you have. You've been asking Hey, how that? What was that session about? You know, what'd you get from it? I think um, Liam said the experience of playing for two different coaches and kind of that build with, and um, primarily in SF Elite with both Lee and Bobby. So and I think they do things in a in a different way and just to kind of ask that inquisitively, like you know, just to kind of see what he's absorbing and how he's kind of embracing it. Hmm. Do you uh, do you think like when you're picking a club for a kid like what advice would you give like a parent wherever in Santa Cruz or where you don't know the club like how would you what what like guidance would you give a parent on how to choose a club for their kid I think you very much need to look at and do some research on philosophy but I, I think that the most important thing is just looking at the, the coaches um, I think you know it's unrealistic to expect your son or daughter same thing as school to be just one person's kind of leading the charge and you know smaller clubs have that but I've seen some bigger clubs where you have a coach that just might be with you know certain age group or age groups for multiple periods of time Um, and what I mean by that is they just followed them completely through and I think that can take away that's not always the case but it can take away from development so looking at it more like hey how's this how's this club Found is it founded on multiple coaches and kind of this understanding of, of combined leadership and growth and are they challenging themselves? Do you see a change in kind of the way they're doing things, where they're they're modifying things as the years go by, or are they just hey it's the same model we saw five years ago and nothing's changed and 
you know, I, I feel like it's getting kind of stagnant. And that's, mm -hmm. it should never happen in, in, for somebody who truly wants to experience growth. Um, how do you, as a coach, like try to contribute or like create a sense of community in your teams? Um, I, I think this is something that, that I'm probably learning to do a little bit more, but I, sh I, I show it in the fact like um, just kind of connecting where they are and talking about the value of, of team and just how great it is. Like, for instance, I have both older teams in, in our club and I just look at, um, I asked them to do some things over this um, social distancing time where it's more like kind of reflecting and giving me an idea where they're going to school. Some of them are going to play. Some of them chosen not to play just because the academic ingredient was greater than, you know, really the opportunity to, to combine the two. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it shows a lot about the group. I mean, I think it's one of the most talented groups the club's ever seen in terms of like, you look at overall um, people in the, the schools are going to and the drive that they have the drive in the classroom, the drive on the field, and you could really see it. And I think it was a lot of fun because I think both groups, when you combine so many talented players and you form two groups, there could be a lot of intertension of why one's playing for so-called a second team and not a first team and why you're asking first team players to guess for a second team. Um, but I never got the sense that they were at all at odds with anybody. And we trained two days a week together and it was just, it really felt like a, a true group. And I think that's something I try and do is where we feel like we're all in together. It's not just about me. It's not just about certain players. Um, and that they, they can feel comfortable enough, comfortable enough to ask questions. Yeah. You know, I think it was good. And it was tough for me at times because I had 23 players on a blue roster and only 18 spots. And I made it very kind of understanding that, hey, you know, practice matters, showing up, communication matters. And I'm going to have to make some tough decisions. It's not easy for me. Mm -hmm. it's not, a, not a text message I like to send out on a Friday night. Hey, I'm sorry, but, you know, I don't have a spot for you tomorrow. But I felt it too. Yeah, I think the, I think uh, I remember back to that '99 team we had, um, the '99 like 2000 group. Um, that was a group that I felt like it was genuinely probably the best group of players in the city at that time, from mm -hmm. like each specific high school. But it like took them such a long time to like come together as a group, um, and we only had those like we only had those 22 players, right? So yeah. like we pushed each other in that way, right? But like I grew up playing kind of more in the environment that you have now, where you had like 40 kids yeah. uh, making up two teams and like really, really pushing each other, right. right? And like there was never, like there was always, there was a chance you weren't gonna play, there was a chance like, you know, it became increasingly more difficult over the years to get into that first team. And like the second team really propped up that first team, right? Like you never could like take a break coming from like you know where there was like 10 kids who knew they were going to play and start and like no matter what because that's all you had right and like i think development just like kind of dies at some point when there's no there's nothing there's nothing pushing you there's nobody behind oh, yeah. you right um and i hope that like that's like what's coming through more so in the club now yeah i i think i think absolutely is I think just like a coaching staff and everybody else, I think everybody's so driven to keep getting better and finding ways to get better that I think it really is pushed on to the players too. I know that we're always, we're always looking at ways that we can get our players to improve, challenge them to improve, challenge ourselves to improve. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really interesting looking at like SI's roster on the girls' side in particular. And you look at girls who've been like, you know, pretty good players for like a long time. Um, just like being pushed like in different ways. And it wasn't the kids that I necessarily expected that like really, really like stepped up and like were like, you know, I'm not, some sophomores not going to be better than me, yep. you know? <laughs> and then there were sophomores that I was like, oh, okay. Like you really weren't very good 18 months ago. And now you're just like, get out of my way. Yeah, exactly. So I think, I think that's like a cool thing that we've done um do you have anything like, thing you'd want to add to like the is there a question i didn't ask or like something you wanted to say related to that last group of questions you know a, a lot of this stuff when you when you're forced to kind of look at 
the way that you grew up and like what you said, the comparison, I think there's, there's that self-driven part that I some, sometimes is overlooked. And I think, you know, I think these times are really tough, but reading a lot of things and I know myself and I say to my players, that I, I, I probably, is this giving me more time to reflect on who I am and kind of what truly my values are as a coach and how I can continue to improve and what are some resources out there. Um, and then I think the same thing goes for players. I mean, it's, this is in some ways a perfect opportunity. There's no excuse. Mm -hmm. I have the team driving you. I mean, there's plenty that you can be doing and when are you going to ever have this amount of time to really work on some technical aspects of your game? Yeah. Um, so I think it, it is difficult because I think the most difficult part of this time period is we just, there's so much unknown out there. There's no deadline. There's no, Hey, here's when we're going to return to play. And sometimes it's those guidelines that push us like, Hey, you know, I'm getting in shape because my first yeah. game. Is up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good we don't know, But at the same time, I think there's, it's, you know, just hearing all these people, I've, I've listened to so many speakers um, talk about different issues and, and just, I think the common theme is like, you know, we're going to get through it, but what are you going to be once we get through it? Like, yeah. how is it? helped you become better yeah um all the stuff that's out there right now in terms of webinars and like all these things that are going on the most interesting one i've seen is anson dorrance talking about self-coaching yeah. um, and like i mean that's a guy who's been everywhere he's seen everything in the american game um, at least on the women's side um and is at a top class university and could have talked about anything and like the way that he talked about like self-coaching and like creating these self-motivated players and like creating competition in like all kinds of difficult environments and like when they didn't have um, when they didn't have regular year-long programs for all these great players that were going to go to the Olympics and go to World Cup and like he'd get them for only a certain amount of time and like what he'd give them to do on their own right and like how they would achieve those things and like the stories that he brought up about people it's just so fascinating to think like I don't know, it sort of mirrors this time a little bit, right? Where you're a little bit off on your own. You don't have like some big, like you don't have regular guidelines and deadlines driving you, right? Yeah. You gotta go do it by yourself. Yeah, and I, I think, I think it, it's, it's similar to what you would experience, you know, going into college. Because I think, I mean, that was probably one of the biggest eye-openers. And, you know, I, I played at SF State. My brother Chris played at Santa Clara. And just how different you know, I was preparing my senior year, he was preparing for his freshman year of college and how different the institutions were with what the expectations physically were. Mm -hmm. You have to, I mean, you have to, if you don't go out and do your stuff, you, you, the risks are great. Like, yeah. then you could be been one of the best players and you're like, oh crap, so I didn't true. test, I didn't do this, I didn't do this. Before you know it, you're, you're wearing a polo all the time and never suiting up. Man explaining the idea of the polo shirt to like a 15 year old yeah you, so great. you look good in the picture there in the team picture yeah yeah you think you're good yeah. <laughs> there'll be 30 kids who uh, also were really good yeah you'd be lucky if you get to sit on the bench whenever people ask me like why why don't you play like uh competitively or like why why'd you finish and like that's always what i go back to like i remember being on the track in the middle of the night like 11 p.m. at night, like working to figure out how I was going to pass a Cooper test. I was like, I'm done. It's not the life for me. And some people like, man, they, they can just crush it. I have so much respect for them. Yep. You know, and like it's inspiring to see how hard our, at least it's inspiring to me to see like how hard my 10 to 12 year olds are working right now because those kids make exponential gains working on their own. Yeah. And you can see if they're dedicated. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, right. you, and you see their growth. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the thing that I noticed the most is you talk about like, and how certain players can peak and other players continue to get better because of that drive. I think in a competitive environment, and that's the whole thing about having bigger pools is you don't know how somebody's going to turn out. You're yep. kind of leaving in their hands and being a support system and saying, yeah, here we are. And I'm going to continue to make a training environment that pushes you. Yep. So much of what what you're going to end up being is driven by you. Yep. You're willing to really kind of accept is the borders. Yeah, completely. Um, I always like to say to kids like, uh, if you you can go play for San Francisco Average Academy if you want to, 
Exactly. Um, all right, so perfect. Uh, I think we'll get some good clips out of that. Um, you ready for the bonus round? I am. All right, what's your dream starting 11? You only get 30 seconds. Okay. So no thinking it. Left back, Marcelo. Okay. Center backs, Maldini and Van Dyke. Okay. I would go my right back. I don't know. I mean, I could, I could reverse the two, but I'd go Cafu because he could run forever. Okay. Uh, Makaleli at holding mid, I'm going to play a 4-3-3. All right. Gerard is my eight. Um, my, my attacking center mid, I was kind of caught in between. Do I want to go really physical or do I want somebody who is going to force you to coach? Assuming I'm coaching, I'll, I'll go Maradona. All right. Uh, my center forward would have to be Pele. Um, I'll go Van Bastion on the left, and then on the right, I'll go Messi. Okay. I think I have – who's your goalkeeper? Buffon. Buffon's my goalkeeper. Oh, all right. That's a good goalkeeping choice. Yeah. Not, a, not a bad team at all. I think it's interesting how Van Dyke has, like, emerged as, like, this all-time great in people's minds. I wonder if it'll, like uh, – I wonder how long he'll be able to sustain this level. I thought about it. I was like, do I do I go with somebody like Cannavaro and an older kind of generation guy who was just I mean he, he didn't look like a center back, but he played like such a center back in a different style. Yeah. I was thinking, truly if I'm gonna put together my team, I want two outside backs at attack. I want two people in the center who are just kind of mean defenders and I mean Italy kinda is known for that. So I first put him there, and I just thought, you're right. I mean, everybody talks about him. He can get forward. He can score goals. His range of passing. Everybody talks about him when they've had the experience of playing with him. Just I was the ultimate leader. And I thought, yeah, you know, let's have, let's have somebody of our generation kind of in there, him and Messi. That are... um, there was, like, a really interesting um, anecdote I heard about him. Like, Arsenal was scouting him when he was playing for Celtic. And like the Arsenal scout was like, eh, he's kind of like, he's just kind of like lazy, he just sort of cruises. And like it turned out like, oh, like that's just like where he was in his development and like the league and everything was just so easy for him. He wasn't pushed in any way. Yep. So like all he really did was like what he needed to do. Was like why do more, right? Yeah. And like now he's in this like environment where like everything is just like, all the time right like you can't imagine what those training sessions are like and like what they're achieving in the league that they're in and like it's nuts yeah and he, he's, he's the perfect example of somebody i mean he's gone from small club to a little bit bigger to a little bit more of a challenge and now i mean liverpool's arguably one of the the best around and then there's all these you know top other teams throughout the world that continue to kind of you know Rumors are out there that he might move on again. But even like the Dutch have reemerged as a, a true national team side that has a lot of promise after years of kind of just being black. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I watched that uh, Gerard documentary finally the other day. Um, it's absolutely criminal how bad the teams he's played on are. Oh, I know. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Gee. <laughs> And then every year, every like every few years, they'd give him like one good guy, and he'd be like, "All right, cool, I got like six months to push." And the fact that he stayed—I mean, Real Madrid, Zidane was like, "You can be next to me and play a partnership with me," and he's like, "Nope, I'm staying in Liverpool." Yeah, I mean, partly I respect him, and partly I'm like, Gerard, you dope. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I know. had the greatest career of all time. Exactly. You know, you're like, you're, he's like the prototypical, like, eight that, like, we're all trying to develop now. Yeah. Like, he, he was it 15 years ago. Yeah. Right. Um, so who's your, uh, who's your cap coaching Mount Rushmore? So this is in terms of, like, who I think is, is sure. like. Sure. Who's your, who's your top four? Or, like, I asked Lee the question, and Lee, Lee said his is more of, like, a Statue of Liberty, and he just has Cruyff standing there. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you definitely need to look at, especially as you hear all these foundation of what kind of established the modern game. And Cruyff is, is certainly one of them because I think he's one of the first people that really just kind of challenged everything. He wasn't afraid to kind of say what he thought 
instead of what everybody else wanted to hear. Um, mm -hmm. I think he definitely is one of the revolutionary kind of coaches out there. I mean, Klopp for me is amazing. I, I think it's, it's funny. I look back and what, three years ago, I had the opportunity when Liverpool came here to go watch him coach and just see the type of person he is. And he's just so, so personable. But the one moment I regret is just not getting a picture with him because I was trying to be too cool. Like, and I'm thinking now that's one of my biggest regrets. <laughs> and then I think, you know, part of it is for me, if, if you look at who you've become, I think part of it's the influence of, of others who've made contributions to me. As a person, I think my high school coach is pretty influential because I think he, he might have had a bigger influence on who I became as an educator and as a coach. Um, he's since passed, and I remember going back to his, his funeral and kind of seeing how influential he was back there. And you just you take that stuff for granted um, and how many people that he really got through to. And then I think my dad has been pretty influential and he was a coach for me, um, and that's kind of uncommon now, but he definitely knew how to push. And even though I was his son, he wasn't afraid to sit me down if I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing as a player. So I think you know, a lot of that comes through it. And then establishing that idea of you, you think you worked hard, but I, I think you didn't work as hard as you could. Mm. And pushing me, and I, you know, at the time I was like so resentful, like, what are you doing? And now I look at it like, well, I've kind of embraced some of that stuff um, that I can see, like I wasn't being pushed, kind of like we talked about it, you know, I was fast and I could do things and I was aggressive, but I was playing in a kind of a small market. I didn't have that push from other people. And he, he said, well, okay, well, these are the restrictions. I think you can do better and here's how I'm going to push you. I think Chris is probably the big winner from that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big time. Second kid. But he also, knew how to, he, he also knew how to resist. Chris was so good at, like, I remember, like, down in L.A., it's so hot, and we're preparing for my senior season and Chris's freshman season, and I look, and I'm like, okay, one more 400 to do, and Chris sitting in the middle of the, the field, the track, and he's like, no, I'm done. I'm like, wait, what do you mean you're done? My dad was like, oh, well, we're not going to stop and get lunch, and Chris is like, I don't care. Love it. So funny, dude. Second kids, man. Or second and third kids. I always get it. Yep. Um, do you, what's the uh, most iconic goal you remember from your lifetime? Yeah, this is, there's been, like, I can remember my most iconic game. And then I think probably most iconic goal is, it, it just reminds me every time, and I, I tell my wife this every time we drive by, we go down to Monterey quite a bit. And, we drive by Marina High School. I'll never forget a goal I scored where um, a senior on the team's like, oh, I'm going to take this free kick. And I just kind of pushed him out of the way. I said, no, I'm taking it. And I remember just hitting it about as good as I could ever hit something. And it, it went up and over the wall into the top corner with like 30 seconds left in the game. And I just walked back like, yeah, see, I told you. <laughs> but I, I bet if given that opportunity, like, you know, it's just one of those moments where I'm like, no, I'm going to score it. And just put it down and hit it. Right. And then I think truly like as, as an adult, kind of that transition. And then my dad was there when I played for Mescala. We were playing in State Cup and we played this team called Fresno Oro. who was one of the best teams around. I just joined the team and a friend of mine, Francisco um, Gomez, was on the team. And he was a former U-17 national team champion or national team captain. And he uh, – he always knew me as, a, as, a, as an outside back. And I told Mescala that I played forward. So I got an opportunity to play forward and guys were just threading me the ball. And I took three shots and scored all three goals. And just, we won four zero and guys were like, all right, this guy can play. I just felt so good. Like I couldn't miss just one of those moments where I was like, that might've been the best complete game I ever played, making every run, doing everything right. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until somebody got hurt that I moved back to the back. I enjoyed all my times up front. I had this run where, like, I just I scored in every game. I remember one game that I didn't score, and then a guy got hurt. And they moved me to the back, and that was it. That was and it. You never should have showed how disciplined you are. So you get so being disciplined. We ended up winning the state cup, and at that, that time it was a, a big deal. We played teams from Southern California in the final. And it, was, it was pretty meaningful. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, 
So if you were to build a co-ed five-a-side team, like the greatest co-ed five-a-side team of all time, with Jeff Wilson in it, two and three, three and two, however you want to do it. So is this like I can pick anybody, or is it anybody you want, dude? Coaches, how's it go? You can pick. You can pick coaches. You can pick players, like professional players. Pick somebody from your past, like just pick your five-a-side team. Who who are you going to war with? Uh, okay. In in like an arena soccer park. Well, I did I did have the opportunity to play against Jurgen Klinsmann down at Cal Poly because his his buddy was a Cal Poly coach and we played in this five-a-side and I've never seen somebody pass it to themselves. Um, so I, I would pick him. He kind of looked up. He's like, oh, nobody's there and just hit it forward and all of a sudden he was on it again. I played with him too and he's unbelievable. Yeah, it was like, how'd that happen? Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> just, you know, like I said, he was just scoring goals for fun and then he'd be like, ah, oh, you know, I'm going to come out now. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll pick him. Um, he's actually played, so I figure need him. I picked Francisco, the guy I grew up with. Um, so that's two. I think I'll just coach. And maybe I'll come in to score goals and set myself okay. up. So, um, so I have those two. I'll pick Zach Ibsen. He can play. He's pretty good. Um, and I'm going to try and do Is he a goalkeeper or something? No, he played, he played on, the, on the field. Um, but he was just like, he can play anywhere. All right, I picked a female goalkeeper too, so I'm interested to see. Um, yeah, let's see. So the goalkeeper part, um, I want somebody who can play with their feet. I'm trying to think. Actually, there's a there's a goalkeeper now that I think is is really really good. Um, that that plays on the Nighthawks. Um, I pick Erica in goal. Okay. I think she's tough, communicates good with her feet, and then. Who else would I pick that I'm trying to trying to make it everybody I played with? So um, maybe Haley Walker, who coached for Vikings for a little bit, was Cal Poly's captain. Oh, is she that good? She's good. She it's really hard worker. Hmm. Kind of like what I want, just a, a grinding team. Um, and then so you got Erica. I need one more. Ailey, right? Francisco. Ah, that's fine. And Ibsen. Right. And then you're just coaching. I'm coaching. Dang, dude. That's, that's, I like that. That's innovative. All right. So last question is, uh, what's your like coaching ma- mantra or like the best advice um, you've ever gotten from a coach? Um, I think it has to do with kind of the, the growth mindset is that you, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. I think that's something I've tried to do. And I, I think I can, I can continue to do more of it. But through my coaching experience, I remember at first I was kind of resistant to forcing myself to be in situations that weren't necessarily ideal. Now I think I've, I've embraced it and coaching so many different levels, men, women, um, boys, girls, college, high school. Um, being in those situations too as a coach and going to places, I think – for me, once I had reached my A, I was like, well, what else do I do? Um, and I think that was before the era of like all this, you know, where there's webinars and can kind of reach out and go see people. And going to Holland, I think, was a huge eye-opener for me. Um, being in a situation where it was myself and there was one other American, but he was Colombian. He grew up in Colombia. Just being in an environment where you don't know anybody and you just, you're so many different cultures, a lot of guys from Africa, especially South Africa and just all over the place. And I think it's something I've kind of embraced. And I think it, it, as a player too, that's always kind of a test. Having a U23 team and kind of inviting players to come out and really seeing who comes out. I think there's been plenty who've said, oh no, I, how can I possibly do that? I can't embrace that. But being, I mean, at the same time, pretty conscientious. You can't have a 12-year-old playing with, you know, 19-year-old. But, you know, within reason and just saying, here it is. And I, I think that's a huge thing. It's, if, if it, you're always doing the easy path, you're never going to grow. So I think you have to, you have to get uncomfortable at times. You got to challenge yourself. You got to look at, okay, yeah, I can, I can certainly build on what strengths I have, but how do I build on maybe some of the things that I'm not good at or, you know, to be an assistant or be somebody who's not the best or has to fight for their spot. But there's always opportunities, I think, as players and as coaches that we have opportunities to get better. Definitely. That, uh, that statement fully tracks with the rest of your stuff. That makes, 
complete sense. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just kind of looking back, it's like there were so many things that I wish I would have gotten as a player, and I, and I got some good things, but I, I don't think it was until I was out of college that I really realized, like, oh, crap, I, I could have worked so much harder. If only I had had that kind of competitive environment or somebody besides my dad and a few select others really pushing me. Like, yeah, yeah cool, you can run by everybody because you're fast, but are, are you technical enough to get out of tight spaces? Are you... You know, when you go against somebody equally fast, and I remember when we played San Jose State, I played against C.J. Brown, and it was like the first player where I was like, the guy's bigger than me, and he's faster than me, and how do I deal with this? Instead of like, okay, I had one, one kind of attribute over somebody, I could run away from so many people, but it was like, all right, eye-opener. Mm -hmm. Should have worked on things. Yeah, good stuff. All right, cool. Well, thanks for taking the time to do this. Yeah. Um, a lot of fun. I think uh, we've got some good stuff here. I think we're at, what is this, like 45 minutes probably? Yeah, it's a good so, amount. All right. Well, I'll leave it to Nico to hopefully find some good clips from it. Okay. Um, you enjoy the rest of your day. You too. And thanks for the opportunity. And it's it's a fun time to be a part of this club. I think Definitely. Great opportunity for all of us to get better. Yeah, I think like... Uh, we at least I do like I'm always like second guessing myself and questioning myself and like wondering if I'm doing the best I can be doing you know but like getting like um good feedback from like parents like yeah. unsolicited and like seeing what other coaches are doing and like looking at what other people are doing and, okay like what level are we trying to be on and like I can you know you can see our like internal drive which is fun so Absolutely. can't wait to get outside though <laughs> No, I, I, and I, absolutely, I miss it. It's going to be so fun. Yep, it's going to, well, that's the thing is, I think it's going to make people that much more passionate. And that's what I always took after a coaching course is I always felt like I was better as a result. Like I just, it restored the passion. And sometimes, you know, things can get stale and overworked, but now I think everybody's just going to come back with this newfound love. Yeah, definitely. So, all right, man. Well, good talking to you. Hey, you too. And uh, tell your family I said hello. I will. Bye, bro. Later. Right there. Thanks.